Welcome to McGonigal's Chronicles Making Montana Connections. I'm KRTV KXLA anchor Tim McGonigal. Today we continue our conversation with Helena's Wilmot Collins. In part one, we learned about the current Helena Mayer's death-defying journey from his native Liberia on the West African coast to the big sky country of Montana. In this episode, he talks about adjusting to life in the Treasure State, his entry into the political arena, his service in the National Guard and U.S. Army Reserve, U.S. Naval Reserve, and more. Here's part two of our conversation with Wilmot Collins. You know, Bruce Knoxheim, I had him as a teacher back at Helena Middle School. And uh, oh. your wife, Maddie, uh, was also in that class of 1984 that I was in at, at yes. Helena High, too. So, so obviously, uh, she, made the, she made some good connections for you when, uh, when she yes, was Yes, she did. Here she did. A, yeah. She did. So, uh, uh, Wilmot, uh, you became an American citizen. Talk about, uh, talk about how that, uh, that experience and how that felt for you. Because when I came, I came as a refugee. And so um, the first year, you have to, uh, you, you're a refugee. And then after the first year, no, after the second year, you can apply to become a permanent resident. Mm -hmm. So I applied to become a permanent, after two years of being a refugee, I applied to become a permanent resident. And I went through the process, filled out the application, went through the interview. And then after five years, of being a permanent resident, you were eligible to become a citizen and you had to apply, you had to go take the test, you had to sit for the interview. And so I went there and my wife and I did it together. We went there and did the interview and then we had to do the, the, the written test, which was English language and uh, current events. And uh, I think it was history. So we passed it all and the gentleman said, come back this afternoon to swearing. Mm -hmm. And so we contacted Bruce and everybody who said, and Joyce said, hey, we're becoming Americans this afternoon. Please come. And so the whole family went to the USCIS building and um, we swore in and we became Americans, I think, 2002. It's either 2002 or 2004. I always get those two mixed up, but <laughs> yes, okay. we became Americans then, and uh, it was a happy day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know, too, that uh, part of your uh, time in America, you served in the military. To talk about that. Yes. Yeah, so um, at the time I was working with In a Mountain Children's Home, this day I got a call, and the call came from a lady, and she wanted me to subscribe to the Helena Independent Record. Okay. And I told her, no, I read the paper every morning at work. <laughs> I didn't want to subscribe to the independent record. She said, where do you work? I said, in a mountain children's home. Mm -hmm. She said, do you have your weekends to yourself? I said, yes. She said, why don't you join the National Guard? And at the time, I was not an American. I said, no, I'm not an American. I'm a refugee. Mm-hmm. She said, it doesn't matter. You can still be in our, if you're here legally, you can still be in the military. I didn't believe her, so I decided to challenge her. So she gave me the name and number of a recruiter. His name was Terry Brown mm -hmm. in the National Guard. I called Terry Brown up and um, I said, hey, I got your name and number from Mary. And she wanted me to... And I'm calling because uh, I would like to join if I can't, but I'm not an American. You say, are you here legally? I say, yes. So he said, let's meet. 
So I met with him. He said, you have to take the ASVAB test. And depending on how you're graded is how we would place you. I said, okay. So a couple of weeks later, I took the ASVAB test. And he said, okay, you, you, you for administration. And he said, we'll put you into HR. Okay. So I said, okay. And then he said, you have to swear in now. We have to swear in in Butte. So then I went to my family. I said, hey, I'm getting into the military. My wife laughed. said, no, you can't go into it because you're not an American. I said, you don't have to be. I didn't know until I went through all of these. So we all went to Butte. I swore in. And then I think three weeks later, I was going to boot camp at the age of 31 years old. Wow. Yeah, I went to boot camp. But I graduated with high honors. Yeah. I did all the physical. I, I topped my class, my graduating class. I graduated with commandant, commandant's owner. Mm -hmm. So when I came back, I met with the general, General Pendergast. Yeah. And I was giving a tour of the city in the chopper by mm -hmm. uh, 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 Chief Warren Officer Jerry Sept. He, that was sort of like, congratulations to me thanks for doing for making montana proud mm -hmm. so they drove me in the chopper around the city of helena i got an award from the general and from the a uh, uh, command sergeant major westfall and so um yeah and that's how my journey started and after four years of being in in the in the guard I have four years of active and then four years of inactive. So during my inactive, I got contacted by the Army Reserve recruiter mm -hmm. who wanted me to join. So I said, yeah, I'm just sitting here. He said, but you can transfer it to us. So we started that process in the Army Reserve. And when I got into the Army Reserve, we got activated. I got sent off to Fort Carson, Colorado. I spent a couple of years down there. And um, after 14 years of in the army reserves i switched to the navy the naval reserves and that's where i retired from i spent eight years in the navy reserves and so i got a total of 22 years in i retired a few years ago yeah uh wilmot so uh you're uh working for intermountain uh, what do you what do you do now I, I mean aside from being the mayor of helena you you do have a a full-time job I yes i um i work with the department of child uh uh health and human services okay. in the child and family services division as a child protection specialist. And what that entails is um, we try to save families. Okay. Because um, sometimes, you know, uh, we would, we have what we call a centralized intake and that, and that is the place where all calls are funneled through calls come to the department through the centralized intake a centralized intake was sent it to to us at CPS, and then they will be distributed to the various workers, and they will have to go out and investigate whatever abuse that the call said happened. We will go investigate those abuse, and sometimes the family may need just counseling. Sometimes the kids will they need counseling. Sometimes the kid would may need to be removed from the home. So there's a whole host of stuff we have to do to safeguard the family. 
Okay. Uh, so now let's move on to the political career. Your uh, choice to run for mayor. Uh, talk about what led you to that decision and why you decided to enter the city politics arena. You know, when I was retiring from the uh, Naval Reserves, my son was a junior at the University of Montana. Mm -hmm. And he came over and he said, Dad, what are you going to do with your time now that you don't have any more military duties? I said, well, I'll find something to do. He said, I think you should get into politics. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know anything about the politics. Uh, I'm not getting into it. He said, Dad. I think you should get into it and you do fine. I said, give me three reasons why you think I would do well. He said, dad, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people know you and you're educated. That's all it takes. Mm -hmm. I said, no, I gotta be more than that. I'm not convinced. He said, you gotta be more than that. So he said, dad, if you think you're not ready, invite some of your friends and ask them and let them know what you plan to do. And if they show any sign that you're not ready, I'll accept it. But I can't just accept no from you right now. So I invited a couple of friends over. We had dinner and I broke the news to them. And they started cheering <laughs> because they were thinking about asking me. Wow. So I said, whoa. So the lady said, this is fate. I said, what do you mean this is fate? She said, because we were thinking about asking you. I said, asking me what? She said, to run for mayor. And then my son put his hand in his air and said, I rest my case. <laughs> so I said, but what do I need to do? He said, well, first talk it over with your family. <laughs> so I called my wife. I told her, she said, I, 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 don't get involved in the politics. I'm not going to be there. I said, no, no, no. In my family, we are we're very democratic. We vote on everything. Okay. And at the time, my daughter was in the uh, South America somewhere, okay. Bahrain or somewhere. And um, with the Navy, and I said, well, let's vote if because the four of us always vote on anything we decide. Mm -hmm. So I said, let's vote. If um, I lose, I'll sit back. But if I win, I expect you to get on board and help me with this. And so we called and I knew my son voted for me already. Mm -hmm. My wife voted against me. So it was two one. And we called my daughter in Bahrain. And. She was there with the Navy. I said, um, hey, um, I'm thinking about getting into politics and we're looking to see where you are with, I mean, doing it or not. She said, yeah, dad, I think it's exciting. I think you should do it. I said, so would you vote for or against? She said, I'm voting for. <laughs> so it was three to my wife, one. So yeah. she had to get on board. That's how we started this process. And then I got a team together and, you know, the rest, as you can see, is history. Yeah. Had you decided uh, what you would do in case there was a tie vote uh, amongst your family? <laughs> no, because that's never been, you know, surprisingly. <laughs> never got It's never been. There's always been either for her or for me. Yeah. Because we're the only ones calling the votes. We always say, okay, let's vote, let's vote. And so, no. But I think at this stage, I should be entitled to two votes, but I haven't told them yet. <laughs> All right. Well, Wilma, you also uh, made a choice to uh, run for U.S. Senate. Uh, so, yeah. uh, but then you uh, withdrew from that race. Uh, tell us your thought process about going for that and why you eventually withdrew. What happened was at, at the time, nobody was thinking about running and it was getting closer and closer to where 
someone had to step up. Mm-hmm. And my team that I had as mayor said, hey, why don't you step up? And I'm like, whoa, that's interesting, but <laughs> it's a lot of energy, it's a lot of time, it's a lot of money. And all three of them I don't have. They said, well, but you know, that's why you have a team to coordinate things. So I said, but you know, I hear the governor will be stepping in. So they said, well, meet with the governor and see where he goes. So I called and had a meeting with Governor Bullock. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, I said, hey, this is what I'm planning to do. Uh, Do you have any intentions of running? He said, no, I have none whatsoever. So he said, do what you have to do, you know. Um, I'm not going to run. So that encouraged me to move forward. And then others got in the race, but that that didn't just deter me. And so as we started putting our campaign together, I went to DC to meet with a senatorial campaign committee, Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. And they tried to discourage me and told me, hey, you know, we will convince Governor Bullock to run. So we don't think you should move forward with this. So I said, whoa. He told me he's not running. I took him at his word. Mm -hmm. So why are you going to convince someone who's not willing to do this? You know, but that's what happened. Okay. And then I I remember I was at a fundraiser in Texas when I got a call from Governor Bullock. And he said, "Uh, Mayor, can we meet? I said, yeah, sure, Governor. He said, can you stop by my place? I said, when? He said, today. I said, "Uh, unless if, if you're in Texas, I'll meet. But other than that, I'm in Texas till Sunday. He said, what are you doing there? So I'm trying, I'm looking for money to run this campaign. So he said, let's, let's talk about it. So I went, <laughs> when I got back, I met with him Monday and he told me, he said, mayor, I'm not trying to tell you to uh, get out of the race or anything. I'm just telling you that things have changed and uh, my situation has changed and I'm thinking of getting into the race. I said, oh, great. And so I said, well, I'm not going to kill myself and say I'm going to do a primary against you. And then, mm-hmm. I, you know, I know you have name recognition. You have every, you have everything in your favor. Yeah. So I said, but I'll drop out if you can, uh, if you hire my staff, because I have a contract with my staff for this length of time. He said, sure. Give them my... He gave me the number and everything to call. Give it to them. Tell them to call me. I'll hire all of them. And that's how I dropped out. Okay. Do you think you might ever run for a, for a higher office? Or is the Helena Mayor uh, Do you know, I'll be honest with you, Tim. Um, when I looked at how long it took me to raise $300,000 mm-hmm. compared to two hours for Governor Bullock to raise $1.2 million, <laughs> <laughs> that was discouraging. Oh, okay. So what I'm saying here is that um, if I don't have the backing, I, I'm not doing it. Gotcha. I will have to be, and I don't care who calls me, mm-hmm. but I will have to get some assurances because it was a struggle. I'm not kidding. It was a struggle to to, to raise the three hundred thousand that I raised. Yeah. In the six months. Okay. So, well, I know that uh, you're focused on the the uh, 
things that are happening in Helena. As, as you look back, uh, you're now in your second term as, as mayor of Helena. What would you say is maybe some of the proud accomplishments uh, during your time as mayor? What, what stands out for you as things that have uh, gone good for Helena? Quite a few things are, are glaring. Mm -hmm. You know, we, 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 we improve snow plowing. Right. When I got in and when I was sworn in uh, uh, January of 18, 2018, it's no, that, that, that time frame was crazy. And we were able to improve snow plowing in the neighborhoods in the city of Helena. I'm proud of that. Mm -hmm. When I got in, the city of Helena Fire Department was short staffed by, I think, almost nine firefighters. We were able to apply for the safer grant. We got it. We were able to hire nine more firefighters. Okay. That created a safe zone for, for Helena. I'm proud of that. We started, when, when I looked at our streets, streets maintenance have been deferred for, deferred for more than 10, 15 years. Nothing was being done. We started on Front Street. We started on West Main. We went on to Rodney. I'm proud of that. We created the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. We have $2 million in that fund. I'm proud of that. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, we've done some good things for the community. We brought awareness about the homeless right. situation. We're working on that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Done some, uh, some good things. And I know, Wilma, too, that uh, there's an issue uh, in Helena right now where uh, possibility of some Afghan refugees coming to Helena. And uh, mm -hmm. that's obviously something that that you can relate to. And for those people that might say, well, no, we, we, we can't have this. What, what is your response to the, to the naysayers about that? Uh, you know, program? like I said before, the naysayers, they, when people, most times when people are afraid, they're afraid of the unknown. So what we have to do is start educating people and start informing the public about the processes that these people have to go through. There is an extra step that Afghan refugees have to go through than that, what I went through. Mm -hmm. And so, and most times when, um, when people, when refugees come here, they are not, uh, the U.S. accepts the cream of the crop. So when those people are coming, they're not coming here and they may start at whatever you give them because they have a family to take care of. Like when I, was, I started working as a janitor at Kessler School, you know, because I knew I had a family, even though I was working at Inner Mountain, mm -hmm. in the evening I would go to the school and uh, clean the school up. Okay. So um, there are professionals, people coming along with their families, you know. I think they will bring the much needed diversity, diverse ideas and a lot of stuff. So. But for the naysayers, I just say, I think we need to just educate them and let them know that this is not what you think. And I'm not going to be fool's hearted and say, they're all honorable this and honorable that. But let's treat them like we would treat ourselves, you know. I'm not going to say they're not going to get in infraction with the law, driving their car and doing this and doing that. 
but with the vetting process that they had to go through, I think we are pretty safe having them. Okay. Well, Wilmot, uh, you've been in America now since, uh, boy, close to 30 years, I guess, but uh, a, lot, a, a lot has changed in that time. And uh, what one of the things that's changed, we, we seem to see a lot of uh, divisiveness over things uh, from a political nature, from a, from a health nature. What, what, uh, what is your advice to, to the country? How can we heal the, the division that we're seeing in this, in this country? You know, I was, uh, I was having coffee with some friends, and what I told them, I said, you know, I'm going to start approaching things as I see it and not as from a political standpoint, because we all have our biases. We all have our uh, side we're leaning on, whether we're Democrats or Republicans. And we have our own issues. So I want to start approaching things from a human standpoint. What will be best for humans? And when, when it comes to the vaccine, you know, I know in Liberia, I took the polio vaccine. I took the uh, malaria. I know we did um, 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 the BCG vaccine for, for TB. We, we took the, I mean, we took all kinds of vaccines. And I'm not saying that um, there weren't side effects, but hey, I'm here today. My family's here today. And I know that the vaccines work. So it's not, in my opinion, it's not a political issue. It's a health issue. And we need to look at it that way and quit putting politics into everything. Let's just look at things for what they are and not make them political. Because um, this, is what, this is what has divided our country left against right, Democrats against Republicans. You know, at one time I was so angry. I said, you know, I am I'm not going to be a party affiliated anymore. That's how angry I was because of how divided we've become. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Wilmot Collins, Mayor of Helena, we uh, thank you for, for talking with us. Good luck in your second term as I know you've got more uh, challenges and things in the Helena's future. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate being here, and I uh, want you to know, yes, I'm ready for the challenges that the community will bring forth. You've been listening to part two of our conversation with Helena's Wilmot Collins. He's been mayor of the capital city since 2017. And next time on McGonagall's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections. Longtime Montana journalist Butch Larkin discusses his latest book, Montana Disasters, True Stories of Treasure State Tragedies and Triumphs. I invite you to subscribe to McGonagall's Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and rate the podcast and leave a review. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, for McGonagall's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections, I'm Tim McGonagall.